Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Well, we're in a series that we started last week called Rich Variety. Turn me in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. I'll read our foundational scripture and we'll see where we go today. Good to have Brother Tim back in the back. Such a blessed man of God. Been a blessing to many. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, which Ephesians has always been one of my favorite um, epistles. Like in basically all of my Bibles, when I get a new Bible, it's a couple months, it's like highlighted in 13 different colors in every page. Because it speaks to me on many different areas. Ephesians is strong. Galatians is strong. I remember Kenneth Hagin said... As a new believer, one should spend a lot of time in the epistles because those are the letters to the church and you're the church. So that's where you'll discover who you're, what your identity is. Amen? And so it's important to know in, anywhere in the Bible that it talks about the church, it talks about in Christ, it talks about in Him. Well, that's talking about you, that that's who we are. We are the bride of Christ. Come on. And so Ephesians 3.10, it says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church, shout church, Thank God for church. You got to say it kind of like that, church. It has like a better ring, doesn't it? Like, I don't go to church, I go to church. Church. It's like I don't drink milk, I drink milk. There is not an E in milk. Malk. Have you ever heard someone call it malk? All right, you guys are dead today. I mean, you don't know these things? You don't talk to people? I mean, people come up, you have a glass of malk? No. Milk, milk, I have milk. Who says malk? Anybody in here? All right, good, we're in good company. If we had any malk drinkers in here, we were going to deal with them in the private room, you know what I'm saying? Come out, you malk devil. Ow. You say malk? Oh, she raised her hand, no. What? Molokov? That's milk? Molokov? Like a like a Molokov, Molokov, Molotov cocktail? Like... In Ukraine our milk explode. Pol. Okay. Spanish leche. It is to use the church to display his wisdom, not our wisdom. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God our wisdom is not on display. But it's his wisdom. And it's rich variety. It just stood out to me months ago when I read that. of just the beauty of that verbiage of the church is so diverse and unique if you really i believe could could know the power of the church the church is the largest military force on planet earth it has it controls the largest amounts of wealth the true church is in the the most of the wealth i would say is in the hands of god's people i really do believe that and so the church is diverse our problem in our diversity is unifying and the only one that can unify us is christ we don't unify by looks, by talents, by social classes, by races, by education. That, will, that was always the division of the world. We are only unified by Christ that knits us together and puts a distinct love in us for everybody in the church. Amen. And that's so important. If you don't love your, the, the people in the church, then, the, then you've got to fall in love with Jesus and get yourself filled up with that love so that there's a love within you for the church as a whole amen Amen. and the enemy knows that that's why it gets a lot of people bitter at the church but our jobs stay full of love you feel like your love reservoirs are running dry you can read five love languages and go to your spouse all day long and say they're not filling your love tank because they don't love you with this love and that love and this love but i feel like everybody that reads that book all they get from it is how they're not getting loved and not how they're supposed to love you know what i mean 
And so if you feel low in love, the only one that fills you with love is Christ Jesus. Go home, lock yourself in the room, fast until you get a breakthrough, until you're filled back up with love, and go out there. And that's why the anointing and worship is so powerful, because when the presence of God fills a room, you will notice that you have a love in your heart for everybody in here. You're like, man, I just want to hug that guy. <laughs> you know, it's like awkward outside of the presence of the like really awkward, like, somebody, he's, he's hugging people again. But, but when the Lord is in the room, you're like, I love you, man. I love you too. How long y'all known each other? We, we just met. You know, it's a beautiful thing. And it's a genuine love. It's not like emotionalism, like people, it's emotionalism. Well, love has emotions attached to it, but it's deeper than emotions. Thank God that the Lord can let us have joyous emotions and fun emotions too. Amen. Thank the Lord that we don't just always have to feel depressed, but have to move in faith. I mean, we can have good emotions too. Anybody in here ever woke up actually happy? Three of us. That's amazing. God, give us a breakthrough in Claremont. People are like, once I hit my Prozac, I feel a lot better. Jesus, help us. I mean, I don't feel good every day, but I, I thank the Lord that most days I don't wake up and I'm like, oh, it's going to be a terrible day. <laughs> I only feel that way if I have to travel up north. No, I'm just <laughs> Rich variety. The church is diverse. There's a million and one stories. There's a million and one testimonies. It's a beautiful thing that if you really could hear everything everybody has gone through inside a church that have come out the other side and still love Jesus and are still walking in victory, you would realize that there is nothing the world can throw at you that Christ is not better than. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. We've all faced many things, but yet we came out the other side. Thank God we didn't stay in the valley of the shadow of death. We got through to the other side. But we're rich and diverse. Various stories, various social classes, various talents. It's easy to feel like this person's more talented than us in this capacity, but maybe it's because we're just not talented in that area, but talented in other areas. But whatever it is, we are a diverse church. But we're knit together with a purpose from God, and the purpose is to display His wisdom to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So the purpose of the church was, was to upset every demonic stronghold, every principality, every power that wants to control, every manipulative spirit out there from suicidal spirits, like alcoholism spirits, drug addictions, poverty, all these things. The enemy builds up strongholds to keep people bound. The church's purpose in our rich diversity and variety is to confound the devil and kick him around and remind him you are not the one in control. You don't sit on a throne. You sit on a throne of lies. And you smell like beef and cheese. Someone back there actually just wrote that down. You need to watch me. No, I'm just joking. So I felt to shift things a little bit and turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 4 regarding that. If our purpose is, is to stand against demonic strongholds, powers and principalities, giants in the land, wicked things do, being done in dark places, mindsets, which you have to understand it's not like the enemy just sows these things in the ethereal world and they float around like ectoplasm and stick to somebody and that's where it comes from it's it's being taught it's being you're made to think you're brainwashed demonic stronghold thinking you're you're being taught in school systems how to think oppressed it's 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 an agenda that has found its way into many areas where we're literally educated of how to be slaves somewhat and that's where the church has got to rise up and recognize its position is to call these things out. Whether it's popular or not popular. Whether people want to hear it or don't want to hear it. You have a job, you have a purpose in your rich variety and diversity to take a stand against darkness. Even when you're standing for someone that doesn't want you to stand for them. 
And many years ago, I was reading the Bible. I bought, I went, I've always was raised King James when I got saved. I was told King James Version is the true version of the Bible. If King Jimmy didn't write it, don't you dare read it. And so I would read King James, and I still read King James to this day. New King James, as far as I know, really the main difference is just change the ye's and the thou's into you's and who's and things like that. And so I would always read the King James Version and memorize different scriptures in King James and things like that. And one day I went to the local Barnes and Nobles, which is that even a thing anymore? Do they exist? Okay, I haven't been to one in a decade. Because you can buy everything on Amazon. No, but I went into a Barnes and Nobles and I went to the Bible section. And I'll never forget this because it took me a little while to find the Bible section. And it was right next to... It was like the spiritual section, so here's the Bible section, and it was one bookcase that was like five feet wide, and right beside it was called Teen Witchcraft, and it was an entire row. I was like, how can there be that many books on Teen Witchcraft just sold in a Barnes and Nobles? And so I was like horrified, you know, how dare they do that? But then you, we really look at it. The reason why witchcraft and all these things became exciting horoscopes and, and psychics is because they're at least displaying some type of spiritual power. And people are hungry for power. They want to see something that is real. While the church as a whole, mainstream, will, will regulate the gospel to the most powerless message they can make it. To where it never forces change, it never demands anything, and it never breaks chains. It just makes you feel accepted in your junk. I don't know about you, but I don't want to accept junk. I want to cast it out of my life. I want to walk on the high places with God. I want to carry something that is supernatural. When I pray, I want devils to be afraid. When I lay hands on the sick, I want bodies to be healed. When I open my mouth, I want depression to break off of people. Come on, somebody. And I remember reading that, and so I picked up a Bible, and it was, it was the ESV. I don't remember what that is, the English, English Standard Version. Not the English Irregular Version. I mean, what do you mean standard? But I was reading my favorite scripture. This has always been one of my favorite scriptures. Luke chapter 4, to me, is one of my favorite chapters it's my favorite chapter in the gospels i've read luke chapter 4 over and over and over and over and over again and so i went right to luke chapter 4 and i began to read it and as i read it and write this this is an nlt this is the bible i use all the time but even in the nlt i'm going to show you something that's missing because when you read in the nlt verse 4 or verse 1 in chapter 4 it says jesus full of the holy spirit returned from the jordan river and he was led by the spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, and Jesus ate nothing at all that time and became very hungry. You think? <laughs> I'm glad they added that because we didn't know. You go 40 days without food. If I go 40 hours without food, I am very hungry. You know, we do start manifesting, and that's where we realize some of the things lurking within us. Ah, you need to eat. But I will say this before I move forward, and this is not my message today, but if you're dealing with something that has gone on for years and years and years, then you need to do what Jesus did, and you just need to fast until you break this thing. Stop messing around. Stop letting the enemy beat you. Realize you don't live by bread alone, that God can strengthen you. And if it takes a season of locking myself in a room for seven days and drinking water and reading the word until these things break off of my mind and off of my body and off of my life and I see genuine breakthrough, I'm going to get my breakthrough in Jesus' name. Man, I've met many people that carry true power. And every one of them have the same testimony. They went in seasons of laying down and fasting, turning their backs on this world, and going deep in the things of heaven to obtain something that most people never obtain. And I don't know about you, but I, when I got saved, I knew right away, I don't want to be a halfway Christian. 
I don't want to be a baby Christian my whole life. I don't want to be a weak, tossed around Christian. I want to rise up. I want to go after God. I want to squeeze everything I can this side of eternity out of them. And I want to carry something that is life changing. Because I've served the devil long enough. And I served him well. And I brought people down into low places. So now, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to turn it around and redeem the rest of my days. The old me is dead and gone. He tries to rear his head sometimes when you're tired. You know how it is. The old you tries to come back and whisper his stupid thoughts. And that's where you got to stay full of the word. Stay full of the things of God and tell your own old self, get out of me. You have no place here. I'm a brand new creation. I'm walking a new path. My steps are ordered from the Lord. And I will not go back. I will not turn back in Jesus' name. Plus, I know the cost and I know the price. And I know that there's nothing good in the world. It's only good by Him. So that's it. Fast from time to time. If you need a breakthrough, try fasting. You're going through something you believe in, man, I need to break through in this area. Take a while and fast until you get that breakthrough. I promise you, it will change your life. Then the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone and gluten is bad for you. <laughs> it's right there in the Bible, guys. He told us it many years ago. <laughs> Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Think about that. So the enemy took him up to a high place and began to show him literally America. Every, every kingdom of all the power and all the splendor and all the glory. And the devil said to him, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone that I please. It's interesting when you read things and you really just ask a question to someone who is actually in control. Is the Lord in control? Is the devil in control? Or are you in control? Because you can read the scripture and read the Bible says that the devil is the ruler of this present age and the prince of the air. That when Adam fell in sin, Dominion and authority was given over to Satan, and that's what Satan is referring to here, saying, I can give you the glory of all the kingdoms of the earth because that power is something that I possess, for I am the ruler of this present age because Adam carried that authority, but he gave it over to me. So Adam fell, and when Adam fell, man, unredeemed man, has no authority over hell, right? That's why your thoughts just come at you. That's why you have no authority to change things. You feel like you're stuck in a rut. All of these things because you don't possess the power to change. Only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and a new spirit being breathed within you do you turn around back to another place. And then people say, well, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Isn't he the one actually in control? God works a plan. And that's why the Bible says he works it in mysterious ways because God's plan will reveal itself. Only that which he allows to happen is allowed to happen. He does hold things in his hands, but he has allowed us a season where time exists for man to make a decision. Will I follow God or will I follow hell? That's why Joshua stood up and said, choose you this day what God you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And every person in here under the sound of my voice, whether you choose him today or deny him, whatever it is, you will get the opportunity before you cross over to make a decision. Am I going with God or am I going with the world? Amen. Amen. That's the gospel in a nutshell. You, every price has been paid, but the decision is yours. And to get God, you got to lay down your life at the cross and pick up a new life at the cross. And that new life is not your life anymore. It is his life for he purchased it. And now you got to do what he tells you to do. And that's where people don't like it. You mean I have to give him my will? Yes, you do. Because he is God and he is Lord. You are not God and you are not Lord. So you make that decision. And so really, who's in control? 
The enemy is the one that runs. That's why wickedness goes everywhere in the nation. That's why people are murdered on the streets. That's why prostitution and pornography run rampant. That's why alcoholism is promoted. That's why you can go in a pandemic and churches are asked to close down. But alcoholic dens are allowed to stay open because they're determined necessary, essential. That's demonic. That's retarded is a better word for it. And that might not be politically correct, but I don't care. I'm not very good at it, even though my initials are PC. I've never been very good at being PC. Politics is just a scam and a lie anyways to keep people from telling the truth. Because they label it as hate speech. I have no hate in me. The truth is the truth. You can do with it what you want. As for me and my house, we're going with the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so the enemy is the one... That basically gets to run things. But it's interesting that when he said this to Jesus in the new king, in the new living, it says, I'll give all of this to you if you would just worship me, for I have the power to give this to you. And it goes on to say that Jesus says, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Amen. But what scripture here in the NLT fails to mention that was captured in the original King James was Jesus did not just repeat scripture to the devil. That at this particular moment when the devil took him up on the mountaintop and said, I will give you all the glory of every kingdom. It is mine to give. Jesus responded, get behind me, Satan. Because up until that point, Satan had the power to do whatever he wanted to do with the nations of the earth. But when a new king stepped on the earth, the redeemer, the kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, that walked perfect and talked perfect and gave his life as a sacrifice, he redeemed mankind back to the place of authority to say, get behind me, Satan. I don't need you to give me anything because my Father in heaven has already given it unto me. That's why Jesus said, Ask of me and I will give you the heathen as your inheritance and the nations of the world as your possession. I don't need to go cowering in any dark den. I don't need to make a deal with Satan on a crossroad to get a talent. My God can distribute talent, can distribute talent and multiply talent better. Think about it for a second. Jesus, it was, like, it was like a switch. Jesus was like, man, I'm hungry. I'm being tempted. Wait, what did you say? Do you know who you're talking to? I'm not the average, everyday, weak person. I am Jesus Christ. And I have come to lay down my life so that one seed going into the ground can die and bring back a harvest of many seeds of sons and daughters. And those sons and daughters, they'll strike you in America, they'll strike you in England, they'll strike you in the Ukraine. They're an unstoppable force. You don't know where they're coming from. They are rich in variety. They are diverse. But I have breathed my spirit within them. And they will take ground. This is the hour of the church. If you study prophecy, we are still in the same prophetic age as the, the beginning of the church. Waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And the orders from heaven were not to cower, not to wait, not to beg, not to plead, but to occupy and take ground. To put the devil back in his place beneath our feet. Remind him daily. Come on, somebody. And you got to stir these things up within you to recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. The church has a purpose. Our purpose is to upset hell every day of our lives. That everywhere he tries to set up something, we don't just sit back and complain on social media. We, we go in our prayer closet, we roll up our sleeves, we get on our knees and we start binding, we start loosening, we start prophesying, we start declaring, and we turn things around in Jesus' name. If you believe that the church has the power to turn things around, I want you to take a moment and give a shout of praise to the one that has given you that power. His name is Jesus Christ. The power is in the church. 
That's why every agenda is always shut the church down. Stop them from worshiping. Stop them from meeting. Shut them down. Charge them too much in insurance. Divide them. Conquer them. But you can try everything you want. But in this room, we've faced every storm. And we can tell you, nothing has the power to break the church of Jesus Christ. Get behind me, Satan. You're a loser. From Loserville. And I'm a child of God. In fact, the Bible calls us children of God and brides of Christ. If you keep reading in Luke chapter 4, from this moment Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, the Bible says. So because he overcame temptation, the power of heaven amplified upon his life. Because he was no longer double-minded, not that he ever was. But that's what we face. A pull from this and a pull from that. But he conquered it, and by him conquering it, he has given you the power to conquer that too. So that you return in power and in demonstration of the Spirit of God that moves and operates in you. So when you lay hands on people, things do happen. Praise God. Oh, thank you, brother. I was like, what was that beat? But the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus unrolls the scroll and finds where it was written by the prophet Isaiah saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Come on, somebody. The church has been anointed from God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when we preach it, we don't have to be relevant. It is already relevant. Because it is the only message that has ever been given to mankind that possesses the power to change everything. Come on, somebody. The gospel can take a heart that is bound up with hatred and turn it into a heart that flourishes in love. The gospel can take a serial adulterer and turn him into a God-fearing, Holy Ghost husband full of power. The gospel can take a plumber and turn him into a preacher. The gospel can take a dairy farmer and turn him into a pastor. The gospel can do what no other vocal utterance can do. And it's been given to the church. We are stewards of the greatest message ever given. But what does the devil do? He puts fear on the church. So that you don't share the gospel. Because what will people think? And I don't want to be a weirdo. And I remember, you know, Jesus freak back in the 90s. And I just don't like the term freak. Makes me think of a lot of tattoos and spiky hair. And that's never been my thing. I was never in the goth thing anyway. So the gospel's for someone else. Plus, I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to share. I don't know what it looks like. But Jesus said... That we have been anointed to preach the gospel. It's the hour of the gospel to reign on every airway, every bombardment that we can. If the devil is using the airways to spread his message of fear and control, then the gospel needs to be proclaimed too. That's why this year we're focusing on souls. And really every year we focus on souls. But I'm telling you, it's the season for the church to grow. Spiritually within us. And in number, because we are building an army for the Lord. Amen. Amen. You've been anointed to preach the gospel. When you preach the gospel, it's interesting, but I've I've had so many times when you stand up and you're just talking about the things of God, that God came to redeem mankind. His blood was shed to wash and break every curse. For the Bible says that Christ became a curse for us that we would be removed from the curse of the law. So we become sons and daughters of the Lord. And I've watched as you share it in rooms, in in gas stations, in car washes, in restaurants, the power and the presence of God coming upon a person right in front of you. As all you're doing is sharing. You could be reading off a script, but something is released because the Bible says not to be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. 
that if we would just be willing to fully unify, for the church has a purpose in our rich diversity to display the wisdom of God to every demonic principality and every giant that tells us we don't possess anything. You're not special and you don't have anything. You're just the church. You're relegated to 3% of society. That's all you'll ever influence. And Christian media only touches 1% of the world. Well, that's because you're looking at Christian labels. But we cannot be labeled or bound or held because God has his army in every political office, every tribe, every tongue, every business, every multi-billionaire company. There are God-fearing people that the Lord has positioned there. Do you believe it? I believe it. I've seen it. I've walked it. I've known, I've, I've, so often you get into it, but, but the army... Needs to be ignited right now. It's like we're stuck. We have been positioned to strike. But it's time that we actually strike in Jesus' name. And be like, man, it is time to take the power that has been given to the church. And begin to manifest God's purpose in this hour upon planet earth. The devil does not get to destroy our nation. You don't get to destroy the families of this nation. You don't get to destroy the babies of this nation. You don't get to destroy these things because the church says enough is enough. And this is the hour to take ground in Jesus' name. Well, how do we take it? you got to believe, number one, that you possess the power over the enemy. And then you have to do your job to bind him up. When I was a little kid, I used to have this recurring nightmare. It was like it tormented me for probably two, three years as a little kid. I know a lot of people, if you listen to them, they all had nightmares. But this, this demonic thing would chase me in my dream. Just this evil-looking thing. Run after me, and I would be so terrified as a kid. And then I'd run, and I'd run, and I'd run, and I'd run. And, and eventually this thing would catch me, and it was like I couldn't breathe. And I'd be in the dream, and I knew, you know, I was raised enough in a, in a Christian family to know the name of Jesus. And I'd sit there as a kid, and I couldn't talk. And I was like, ah. And it took everything you could to say Jesus and then it'd break and you'd wake up and your heart's pounding You're sweating and you're terrified You'd have to go, you know snuggle up in your parents bed, you know, and it's awkward because you're 16 years old (laughs) No, I was little Now remember this dream just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming And then one day as I was running from this demonic thing in the dream, just this light bulb went off in the dream. And I was like, wait a second. This is my dream. And it sucks to be the one being hunted. I would rather be the hunter. Let him feel the fear and me feel the rush. And I just turned in the dream and I started running at that thing. And when I started running at it, that big old ugly thing turned around and took off like a little chicken. And then it was exciting. After that, I was like, I'm going to get you. And I'm like, it was like the best dream ever. I'm like, I'm going to get you. I'm running after him. And then I woke up and I never had the dream again. And you know, let me tell you something. The enemy has plagued the church with that. Kept us in a state of fear that we better run. We better watch our backs. We better plan because every time you go for something, I'm going to attack and it's going to be big. And you hear the church warn you about that. Go for something big, big attack. You can attack as much as you want. You can assign a thousand covens of witches to sacrifice a million chickens, but none of that's going to have any effect on my life because Jesus is the overseer of my household. And it has no power or authority to stick. The church has got to wake up to this. I think I shared this the other day, but I don't know. There's a big Brazilian church in, in, in Orlando. Uh, I can't ever pronounce it. Lagoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was, I was in Tampa at my father-in-law's church, and some of the leaders of that church were there meeting with him about some things that they wanted to do. And I look at the guy and he says, I remember you. You remember you? You came to our church in Boston years ago. And I was like, okay, it was a Brazilian church in Boston. I do remember it. And it was, it was the way I'd get the, the, you know, the, the back-breaking move on that poor lady was in this church. I'm like, I remember the church. Why are you bringing it up, bro? Get thee behind me, Satan. 
And he's like, remember in the service when that witch stood up and was like trying to curse your father-in-law. And I totally forgot about it. I was like, I do remember that. We were like in a church of probably six, seven, eight hundred people. And it's, he's just preaching away. And all of a sudden this witch stands up. And I mean, she starts like hexing him and like all these things. But, you know, honestly, it didn't make, it didn't really, it doesn't make much sense. You know, you're like, what are they doing? Like, do they have Tourette's or something? What's going on? Because I don't know that world. I don't know what then. She's like, you know, uttering things and all of this stuff. And she's trying to do her whatever. And I just remember looking at her trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And about the time I figured out she's, she's not right, something's really wrong with her, my father-in-law was looking at her. He just started laughing. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, he didn't go, I rebuke you. He didn't say, ushers, get rid of her. He didn't say, drag this demon out. He didn't say, and by the power of Christ compels you and bring out holy water. He just laughed at her. And the more he laughed, this lady got so angry. She was like, just going to town. And the next thing you know, she just throws up her hands and ran out of the church screaming. And the whole church was laughing at this point. And I realized that's how you deal with the devil. Every time he even tries to rear his head, just laugh in his face. There is no greater insult than to laugh in the face of someone trying to mock you. Come on, somebody. Know your place. Because that's what it, don't fear the future. See, the enemy gets you in that, oh, you don't know everything that's coming down the pike. You don't know what I've got planned. You don't know what the powers that be got planned. You don't know the dark. They have wicked things. Yes, they are working an agenda. Yes, it seems like they're going well. But they have never, ever been able to shut down the church. And they will find out time and time again, you touch the Lord's anointed, you will be the one that is injured, not the Lord's anointed. And it's rich variety. We have been anointed to preach the gospel. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. It's an hour to break people out of prison cells. And I say a lot of things that people maybe don't like. But years ago, even in the sense of you got to break things off people. It's generational some things. you got to break things off. My, my, my granddad was an alcoholic. Drank every day of his life. Ran around on my grandmother, and I know I'm not trying to tarnish his memory. I'm just telling you the truth of what he lived like. My dad, being a young man, 12 years old, heard them screaming and fighting to the point that he thought that they might, someone might die that night. He was 12 years old. He was terrified in his bedroom, and my dad cried out to the Lord. Didn't, they didn't go to church, but he cried out to the Lord. He said, God, Jesus, I really need a friend, and I need someone. I need, if you're real, if you're real. I want to know you and I want to serve you. And he said the presence of God came on him as a 12-year-old boy. And he knew Jesus was real. It took him well into his, his senior life to where he really started pursuing the things of God. Going after it. Pursuing everything that heaven had for him. But still, as he grew, he fought so hard to break that alcoholism off of the family. He, wanted, he did not want it to get into the household. But he couldn't break it off himself fully. So I remember when I, when I wound up being, I was a teenager, arrested so many times. I was sentenced to level three drug rehab. A license was taken from me. So my dad had to drive me there. And he's driving me to rehab. And he looks at me and he's, he just starts crying. He says, son, please forgive me. I never wanted this for you. And, I, and I've done everything I can to break it. But he's like, I, I struggle too. And he said, I just want you to know. Every day I still drink. He said, he took me to, a, we had a bunch of land. There was a trailer. Every park compartment was filled with empty alcohol bottles and stuff. He's like, I'm trying to break this thing. I've hit it because I don't want it in the household. But I want to break this thing. And if you get it broken off, I'm going to break it off too. And my dad went on a 40-day fast. He went on a 40-day fast. I'm, I'm 18, 19 years old in drug rehab. And there were people that shoot up and their toes to hide the track marks and my dad goes on a 40-day fast to break alcohol off his life he's like I'm gonna sever this giant's head because it's not gonna go into another generation my dad fasted got it broke free but I continued to live like hell and my dad's going to church serving the Lord gets on fire my mom's serving the Lord and they're praying day in and day out for me and lo and behold sure enough years later or, or a couple years later, however this timeline was, 
I wind up going to church, getting radically and on fire from the Lord, get set free from this thing. And I watched that thing come back in the household. And the Lord gave me a dream one time of a person close to me too. And I want you to hear this. A friend of mine, very close to me, that didn't touch alcohol, was a part of the Brownsville revival, had no part of it in their life whatsoever, loved the Lord, was a worship leader, and I saw these little demons come out from underneath their house and start climbing on them and pull them down until it overtook them. At first it was humorous because they were so little. And they were like little bitty midget pygmy things. But they just kept building up, building up till they consumed them and took them down. And to this day, this person is bound up. Every time I'm around them, they're drinking, they can't break it, their whole household, it's affected their children, it's affected every aspect of their life. And when I had that dream, I watched and I said, God, what is that? And the Lord says, see, this is what the church doesn't realize, is that the enemy comes in small. It's small compromises and little things, and they think you can play with that. But it's a spiritual assignment from hell to bind you up to where it gets upon you. And before you realize it has overtaken you, you have given yourself over to it, and then he holds you in that place of bondage. But Jesus Christ came and gave his life to break the power of sin off of your life. You're not supposed to be a person that is struggling every day with sin, hoping to get set free. You're supposed to have that light switch within you to say, I'm not running from a defeated foe anymore. I'm going to chop your head off and it will not go another generation. And you break the power of hell. That's the gospel. You can come from the most drug-induced, broken household, and one person can turn it around for a thousand generations, the Bible says. If you believe that, shout amen. And I know it's not preached, and I know it's not popular, but I'm telling you, it's not the hour to see what we can get away with. It's an hour to see what you can get filled with. I want the power of the Lord in my life. I want to look at my men. I tell you, my kids, they don't even know that world. My kids, you walk in them, they're playing, praying fire fall down. Their idea of drunkenness is a purified drunkenness. Because they think you're talking about church. Because we get drunk on the new wine, not on the old stuff. You know, the Bible says, weep and howl, you drinkers of the old wine. For because of it, the new wine has been cut off from your lips, the Bible says. Book of Joel. Prophesied the same one that said in the last days saith God I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh And I'm just telling you I'm not trying to be the bad guy But I'm saying you've got to get to a place Where you draw a line and say as for me and my house We will not give the devil an inch And it's probably not a problem with you It was a problem with me And so I had to go to the place where it came to the place like You can't touch it You can't desire it you cast it out of your life. And I did. And that's what the Bible says. The gospel comes to set the captives free. Or you once might have been bound. Your uncle could have been bound. Your granddad could have been bound. You may be in a line of people that have been tormented from hell. But it breaks in the name of Jesus right now. The moment it clicks within you. and says that will not carry on another generation. God, I fought the good fight, and I lay my life down under the blood of Jesus on the mercy seat. And if I never obtain the dreams in my heart, my children will go further than I have ever dreamed they will go. Because I bless them every day of my life. I put the word in them. I live holy, and I guard them, and I speak over them faith, life, and freedom. And you decide that this will be what will happen. You say, do we have the power to do that? Yes. Because the church, God's purpose of the church in its rich variety was display the wisdom of God to every demonic force. And the Bible says that the blind will see. How many people in here, when you met God, your eyes opened and you thought, my gosh, I've been doing dumb things. I thank God for it. It's one thing for a buddy to pat you on the back and say, bro, I'm telling you, you're going down the wrong path. You love them, you respect them, you're going to listen, but then you're going to walk and you're going to do your own thing because you don't see what they see. 
I can testify I did that exact same thing. You sit me down and counsel me all day long, I'd listen to you. I'm a respectful person, but I'm going to do my own thing international. But when I met God, I remember the first encounter I had with him before I was even set free of cocaine, meth, and everything going on in my life. Just all I met was him and the love of God that laid me on my butt. And it shook me to the core. I cried like men don't cry. And I was not ashamed of it because I was too just wrecked to even care. I let the snot flow, bro. And I got up off the ground and it was like my eyes were opened. No one, now listen, you're 19 years old on marijuana, cocaine, prescription pills, meth. You drink alcohol every day of your life. You get totally wasted. One encounter with God. Never had a counseling session. Never had someone open the Bible and begin to reveal to me how to live the holy life. Just one encounter, my eyes were opened, and I went home to my mom and repented to my mom saying, I am so sorry how blind and selfish I have been because I lived my life and I didn't see what it was, was doing to you. And I want you to know, mom, that, that I met the Lord today and I'm going to change and things are going to change. And my mom's just crying because she's... Think how many times has she fasted? How many times has she binded and loosed to the point of like, is there any power? This dude's an idiot from the day he was born. Why did you give him to me? She's crying, and I went to my sister. And I said the same thing to her. I want to to say I'm sorry. Because you've been a shining example to me in the midst of everything I was going through. She gave, my sister gave me a Bible and wrote it in it. I, I believe you have the heart of David. I didn't even know who David was. And I think she did that on purpose because then I'm reading the Bible trying to, and there was no book in the Bible called David. So I was like, this, is he even in here? No, really, I'm like flipping through David, David, David. Why is he in Samuel? What does David have to do with Samuel? And I was reading about him and for years I thought, what does that even mean? I have the heart of David. But in that moment, that encounter, I'm still on all the drugs. But my eyes opened, and I realized I'm affecting people. And I went and asked them to forgive me. And that was part of the process of the Lord redeeming and changing your life. There are people that are blinded. And the only thing that lifts those blinders off, and I'm closing shortly, probably within the next three, four hours. The only thing that breaks those blinders off your eyes is the power of the gospel. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God that it's not just an ear-tingling message, but it gets within you and breaks things off. Thank God that all he needs is just an inch, and he comes in with all the forces of heaven to push out every demonic stronghold within you. I mean, I was saved not even very long, and before long, I didn't even realize it, but I didn't even cuss. No one ever told me to stop cussing. I didn't even realize I cussed. You know what I'm saying? You don't even realize it. That's how you, every adverb and every adjective is a four-letter word. It's like how you communicate. Bleepity, bleep, 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 bleep. And I went to watch one of my favorite movies, and I couldn't even sit through the movie. I turned it off, and I was like, what garbage? What kind of spirit or soul did I have that could take that wickedness and feel nothing? And no one told me to change my life. It wasn't like someone brought me in the corner and was like, Caleb, let's talk about your language. Because I was the person, I remember I was in the process of being redeemed. And they asked me to share my testimony in a church in Nashville. And I, and I, I cussed. I was not really in the moment, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a passionate, you can see that when I talk. I, I do, we were talking outside. I actually do sometimes put, be calm, you know, stay calm, talk normal, try and talk slower, don't jump so much, don't spit on the front row, things like that in my notes. And it never works. I like run back to my notes to see where I'm at. And I'm like, oh, say law. And I'm up there passionately preaching in Nashville. And man, I was like, sometimes you, I'm not going to say it. But people lean forward like. But I was like, you got to tell the devil to get the bleep out of your life. And the church went bananas. 
I mean, if they'd taken up an offering, I'd have never had to work another day in my life. But <laughs> he changes the way you, you see things. Even when we started with communion, he changes how people have hurt you. And that used to be such hatred and anger that it actually, God can turn it to where there's a compassion that comes upon you. Where you can look at them and you say, man, they're so bound, God. They don't even know the things that they do. Well, I pray that they would come to know you like I know you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ that has been given to the church. We are carriers of the greatest message ever given to mankind. And it says the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Every oppression from hell. People say, can Christians be possessed? No. But you can deal with demonic strongholds. Oppressions of the mind that weigh upon generations that the Lord can sever off with His power and with His authority. All it takes is just an encounter with God. And what do those things manifest like? They're strongholds that, 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 that you don't, like even what we read last week, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. There's like a crying out from within you, but you're held up in this thing. It's like you, you feel like you're a glass ceiling. You, you hit these roadblocks of life. And it's like the gospel came to break that oppression off of your life. Because there is literally no limits for a child of God. As big as you believe, God said, I can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all of that. And that's in Ephesians right after the rich display and the variety of the church. That's where it says, may you just come to know the depth, the width, the breadth, the height of his love and truly get your roots deep within that love. And now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I want to tell you so Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.